they had told us the night before. There's a small creek that you could just splash through. Your feet might get wet. We get to that little creek, and it was... It was a river. It was a torrent. And we could not figure out how to get across that. Well, John, you... Well, the you, great part was, if I remember correctly, Matt, you and I decided that we would just see yeah. whether or not we'll we could it. somehow get across. And I remember taking like two steps into that river, and you stepped in behind me, and the girls are yelling. We are the freaking. The girls are yelling. The, the girls are, are like screaming. Telling and, me to get out, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I would if I could turn around without falling It was down. such a stupid thing to do. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today we're talking about our backpacking misadventure on the Chilkoot Trail in Alaska. I'm detecting a pattern here with regard to our Alaska experiences. They never go the way we plan. Never. I know. I'm almost afraid to go back because I never know what's going to be in store for us. So this uh, 33-mile Chilkoot Trail is north of Skagway, and it crosses into British Columbia, Canada. Now, back in the late 1800s, it was a major access route for those making their way to the Klondike Goldfields in the Yukon Territory. So this trail is a challenge even in the best conditions. But we wanted to do it, and we were lucky to have our friends John and Lolly join us on this trip. And let's just say the adventure was more than any of us bargained for. That's an understatement. Now, because we have so much to talk about in this episode, we're skipping our usual intro and our mailbag segment. And due to time constraints, we had to condense our story a bit. But if you'd like additional information about the Chilkoot Trail and our adventure, we cover a lot more details in our book, Dear Bob and Sue, Season 3. So now, let's dive right in. We have a lot to talk about today, Matt. Yes, we do. (laughs) Today's episode is going to be about our huge misadventure hiking the Chilkoot Trail up in Alaska. We did that a couple years ago with our friends John and Lolly, and it kind of all got started by a visit to the Klondike Gold Rush Historical National Park, a lot of words there. (laughs) Big mouthful. Uh, Office, I guess you'd call it, or site in downtown Seattle. Right. We were going, it was when we were going to all the parks and we suddenly realized that there was this National Park Service site right here in downtown Seattle. So we went to see it, not really knowing anything about the Klondike Gold Rush, at least I didn't. Uh, So it it was a pretty fascinating couple of hours we spent there. Right. And you, like, like you do often when we go to National park sites, you made me sit through the interpretive movie that they show. (laughs) And I think that was it. That sealed our fate. Once once you saw the movie. This whole journey and story would not have happened had we not sat and saw that I don't know what it was, maybe a 20 minute um, movie that they showed in the in the little theater there. So that talked about hiking the Chilkoot Trail, which is something, of course, that the gold rushers did back in the late 1800s. But then we found out it's something you can actually do today. 
So a little bit of history of what the heck the Klondike Gold Rush was and what the Chilkoot Trail is. Back in 1896, gold was discovered in the Yukon Territory up by on the Klondike River up by a town called Dawson City. Very remote area. And uh, this so this was about, what, 50 years after the California gold rush. And people were scouring the earth for new finds of gold and prospectors all over the mountains and hills everywhere in, in the world. And a few prospectors found gold. Now, the Yukon Territory is winter most of the time. So there's a very short period of time that you can get up there. And so these gentlemen and and one of the gentlemen's wives discovered gold in August of 1896, and it took them until really the summer of the next year to get the gold out of the ground that they wanted and get back to the lower 48. And they landed in San Francisco in July of 1897 and, and proceeded to get off the boat with, at the time, was over a million dollars worth of gold. Wow. So today that would be anywhere from 100 to $200 million worth of gold. And it was a matter of days before the news got across the United States and the gold rush was on. Everyone was headed to Dawson City and at the time, the United States was in a pretty bad economic recession. So there was a lot of people out of work. They were had nothing better to do, and the pro, the prospect of finding gold was was pretty interesting. So they just took off for the Klondike. Now, the city of Seattle did a smart thing. They started advertising right away that Seattle would be the place you'd want to go in order to start your journey. You would come to Seattle, get all your supplies, get a boat ride up to Alaska and start your journey to the Klondike. And as a result, they got really most of the traffic. And they were competing with the other coastal cities of which ones? Vancouver, British Columbia, and San Francisco, and Portland, and and Tacoma, Washington. And so they did a good job of marketing, and they got a lot of of prospectors to come through. So to get to Dawson City, there was several ways to get there. One is there was an all-ocean route. If you were rich and had some money, you could take a boat all the way to Dawson City because you would go around kind of through the Bering Strait and then up the river. Now, the problem with that is it took longer and it was more expensive. The most popular route was take a boat up to Skagway, Alaska, and the little town of Dye, which is right next to Skagway, is where you would begin a journey up over the mountains, this Chilkoot Pass or this Chilkoot Trail, and then once you got up to the top there, you would build a boat, literally cut trees down, build a boat, uh, get on Lake Bennett and start floating your way 500 miles to <laughs> Dawson City. Now, there was some a, a couple of other competing routes. There was the White Pass that, that came right out of Skagway proper, but Chilkoot was really the, the most popular. And so that's where a lot of the prospectors went. Now, they think that about 100,000 people headed towards the Klondike. About thirty to 40,000 people made it. They estimate maybe three or 4,000 people actually found gold, and a few hundred got rich. 
Mm-hmm. So this was th- th- this was a risky proposition, and and some of the people just did it for an invention. Well, I was just going to say what was fascinating to me. We we read a lot of books about the subject before we went up to Alaska, and what was fascinating to me was that people from all walks of life flocked up there to the gold fields. I mean, there were doctors who you know in Philadelphia who just literally quit their practices and headed to Seattle. People from Europe, people from all over the world, were just fascinated by the sense of adventure and, of course, the the promise of finding gold. And a lot of people were up there just as entrepreneurs to make money off of the people who were going up there. I think that little town of Dawson City before they struck gold had about 500 people in it, and it quickly went up to 30,000 within a year. And what's interesting is, as you know, people even today, what, 120 years later, know what the Klondike Gold Rush is mm-hmm. or have heard of it. It only lasted about a year because the prospectors got up there. They found it was harder to find gold than they thought. And then – in 1899, there was gold found in Nome, Alaska. So everyone just flocked to, to Nome. So they were going from, from place to place. But the interesting part for us was that initial trail, that 33-mile trail that started from Dye, Alaska, up over the Chilkoot Pass, today is actually a national park. So you can you can hike it, and now it's half in the U.S., half in Canada. You get to you hike to this summit, and really at the summit is the Canadian border, and then you hike the rest of the way mm-hmm. to, to finish the, the trail. And when we learned this story, both the history and the adventure of, of hiking a, a, a cool trail in, in, in the wilderness, we, we just had to go. We did. And it's called the meanest 33 miles in history. Uh, I guess lots of tales of adventure. And so it was a little bit intimidating. I'm not going to lie, but uh, it was also very exciting. And we, uh, you know, we took probably, what, a year or two to prepare for, right. both mentally and physically and, and trying to figure out what we should bring. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that today and kind of explain the, the whole adventure slash misadventure. Well, the logistics are a little tough. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many moving parts, especially, you know, if you're coming from the lower 48, I mean, first of all, you have to get permits. And again, the, the window to hike the trail is pretty short. What would you say, like mid-June to early September? Yeah, definitely the best weather is, you know, June, July, and August. And that is when you need the permit so they can manage the crowds. But the trail is open year-round. You know, of course, it's buried under snow for many of those months, but... And we wanted to hike it without snow. I mean, just <laughs> well, what's interesting, a little, you know, back to a little bit of the history, in order to get to Dawson, because that, that 500 mile raft trip took so long, those prospectors had to hike it in the spring. So, March and April generally was the big rush. And they were hiking it in deep, deep snow. Mm-hmm. But we we didn't want that authentic <laughs> of an experience, so no. so we decided to. We ended up getting uh, some permits for early August. Parks Canada, even though half the park is in the U.S. and half is in Canada, Parks Canada is the institution that issues the permits for both sides mm-hmm. for for all the campgrounds, and so they generally take reservations starting in mid-January. And they post every year what day it is. And mm-hmm. you call them, literally call them 
leave a message and they'll call you back. Right. And you book your campsites. We, You had done a lot of research about what exact campsites we wanted. We decided to do it, what, in four nights, Mm -hmm. five days, four nights. Yeah, it's totally up to the individual how far uh, you want to hike each day. We did talk to a ranger up at the visitor center in Skagway, and she recommended four nights, five days. And she said one important tip, which I think most people try to follow, is there's on the usually it's the third day when you summit. It's a very difficult day of hiking, um, very steep, long day. So you want to stay at campsites closest to either end of that day. So sheep camp is sort of at the bottom of the summit, and happy camp is the next one after you summit. So we knew we wanted those two campsites, and then we just sort of worked out from there. Yeah, we did. On our trip, and of course, you could do this however you want, but our first night was Canyon City, which made that first day about 7.7 miles. Then Sheep Camp, which was another about five and a half miles. And then Summit Day from Sheep Camp, we went to Happy Camp, and that was the plan. That would have been about seven and a half miles. And then the last day would be eight and a half miles. The eight and a half miles was to the campsite Loon Lake. Okay, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, we went to Loon Lake. Mm-hmm. And then from Loon Lake, you would hike to a little town of Bennett, the, the end of the trail. And where you pick up the train, and that was going to be about four miles. So that was the plan. Now, getting the permits is only the first step in all the logistics. So now once you have the permits, you have to figure out a way to get up to Skagway. You have to figure out lodging the night before, the night after, these kinds of things. What we ended up doing is we flew from Seattle to Juneau. We took, later on that same afternoon, we took a a ferry, Alaska Fjord Lines, from Juneau up to Skagway. Right, because commercial airliners do not fly into Skagway. You have to take a small plane, which I, I'm right. kind of over that. Yeah, well, <laughs> the small, the, the, well, just the small planes are commercial, uh, but uh, I mean we, a big commercial jet right, airliner. Yeah, the, the little tiny planes will mm-hmm. uh, will fly you to Skagway. We took a ferry, spent the night at a little bed and breakfast called the White House in Skagway, and then the, the next day. Of course, once you come off the trail, you have to get your train tickets from where you leave the trail back to Skagway. And mm-hmm. so that's the White Pass Railroad. Right. And so you get the train tickets and that that doesn't the train doesn't run every day. Or... Yeah. So you have to make sure you come out on the correct day because the train doesn't run two days a week. So you don't want to come out and be sitting there and there's no train. Also, we were just imagining in our minds, it's a scenic railroad train that takes people from Skagway, you know, cruise line people and, and things on a scenic tour and then they make a stopover to pick up the hikers and all they put all the hikers in a special car right like because, a cattle car like yeah. just to air them out that's right no one has had a shower now in like five days and is wet and dirty usually um so yeah the, the hikers get a special car on the on the white pass railroad and you can also order a box lunch mm-hmm. which i'm sure is the best meal you're, you're just it's going to certainly feel like or taste like the best meal you've ever had so take the train back and unless you have a way, you know, back home from Skagway that afternoon, you got to have lodging mm-hmm. there in Skagway and then, of course, travel back. And so we just did the opposite. We took the ferry from 
Skagway back to Juneau and flew Juneau to Seattle. So that's a lot of detail on the logistics. However, you have to know all these things. And, and it's a little bit of a puzzle to, yeah. to get all of these because you start with the permits and then you hope that <laughs> – you hope that you can get these other reservations. We were fortunate enough to get them all, um, and it'll make more sense later in the podcast. But you know, this all had to happen just all lockstep. There was no room in the schedule for you know to, to skip a day or take an extra day on on the trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So. But you were on it. I mean, as soon as you got those permits, you literally sat down and started fitting all the rest of the pieces of the puzzle in. Right. I, I wanted like, it done so mm-hmm. we didn't have to worry about it. And once it was all done, then we could start thinking about, are we in physically the right shape? You know, how heavy are our packs going to be? What exactly should we take? Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. talk about those packs for a minute because I got a little worried when you brought home a scale and you started weighing all the things that were going to go in your pack, including like, I remember you weighed your chapstick and yep. I believe you weighed your spork. <laughs> well, at the time, we were maybe six months into our backpacking career. We had done some backpacking trips the summer before, mm-hmm. and we had others for that same summer. And like we we at that point knew how uh, grueling it can be to have an overweighted pack on on a backpack trip. And we knew that this this hike, especially summit day, would be challenging. And we still hadn't figured out the weight of our packs. And we, we hadn't figured out how to get the weight down. And we found out when we got to the Seattle airport for our flight. And of course, we, we checked these packs and they weighed them. And I think, uh, Matt, yours weighed 44 pounds and mine weighed 38. Mine was less because you had, you always carry the tent and the jet boil and the water filter. So there's some of the things that you carry that I don't. Still, Still too heavy. 44 is still too heavy. But I mean, talk about heavy packs. Those prospectors going up to the gold fields, I mean, their their supplies weighed, what were they required? It was 1,000 pounds. Well, it turned out to be pretty much, it it would be at least 1,000 pounds. So what was happening at the time is people were just rushing to the Klondike or Dawson City thinking that, well, I'll just buy supplies and food when I get there. And the Canadian government was so concerned that they would have 20, 30, 40,000 people essentially stuck in Dawson City during freeze up over the winter. And they would basically starve to death because they wouldn't bring the supplies. There, there wouldn't be enough food in Dawson City. And so they, they quickly instituted this rule that says, if you're going to cross into Canada, going to Dawson City to look for gold, you had to have a year's worth of food with you. And so essentially, you know, your flour and your bacon and the beans and all all that stuff, the uh, your sourdough starter and, and those things you had to take with you. So you can imagine a single prospector has a thousand to let's say twelve hundred pounds of of stuff that they have to take. They didn't just hike up the Chilkoot Trail once like we were planning to do. They would have to take fifty to eighty pounds, put it on their back, and hike up maybe three, four miles, seven miles, drop it on the ground, and go back. And they would do this 
maybe 15, 20 times for every stage of the trail. So what? It would take them months. Yeah, I read that it took, on average, it took them three months to go the basically the 33 miles that we're going to hike just because they had to schlep load by load. And it was interesting because we were wondering before we read about it, how did they keep people from stealing their stuff when they would drop off a load and then go back? Like, well, they had, they had a very easy way of keeping people from stealing your stuff. If uh, when you got to Skagway and you borrowed somebody's supplies without asking them, they basically shot you <laughs> or, or strapped you to a, a log and whipped you in, in public. And so the vigilante uh, justice was, was pretty, pretty harsh and swift. And quickly, people realized that you know you're not supposed to take other people's stuff, even to the point where people would cache their supplies up the trail, and like I said, literally like make a pile on the ground. And for those prospectors who, let's say, gave up and just left their stuff there, no one touched it because they were afraid. They were afraid, so no one was really messing with each other's uh, gear. Uh, and that that's how they kept the justice on wow. the trail. Yeah, that's crazy. So on the on the day that we left, it basically took us all day to get up to um, Skagway. We flew from Seattle to Juneau. Then we had about four hour wait there until the boat sailed from from Juneau to Skagway. So we killed some time and. And then took the boat up, and that was a few hours, and we ended up getting up there. Gosh, it was like 9 o'clock at night by the time we got up to Skagway. Yeah, so we got to the White House and spent the night, our last night, in a uh, sleeping on a mattress. Yeah, gosh, I know. It was... Uh, Last chance for a shower. That's right. Uh, and then the next day, we weren't in a huge hurry to take off. They they have uh, mandatory orientations at the trail center in Skagway that you have to attend before you set off. Um, and they have they had them every two hours, 8, 10, noon, and so on. So we decided that we'd go to the 10 o'clock one. And then when that was over, we, we'd set off on the hike. But, um, yeah, they, they want to make sure they talk to you about – trail etiquette and about, you know, they want to make sure you have your passports with you uh, for the Canadian side. And they also talked to us about some bears. There was a bear that particular summer. There was a bear that was hanging around part of the trail. And matter of fact, they had closed the trail a couple of times because the bear was just getting a little too friendly with hikers. Fortunately, I think it was that morning, they finally lifted the restriction and they said that bear had uh, had not been seen in a few days, so they lifted the restriction of that part of the trail. And mm-hmm. uh, but there are there are quite a few bears on 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 the trail. There are, and and so that brings us to the topic of bear spray. So we we couldn't fly up there with our bear spray. We definitely wanted to each have a canister. So our, our original plan was we would just buy some in Skagway when we got there. But fortunately for us, um, a woman who follows us on Instagram named Cheryl, she had seen some of our posts about hiking the Chilkat. Trail, and she emailed us and said that she and her husband Troy are the campsite hosts at the campground in Dai every summer, and that she would love to meet us and they could give us a ride from Skagway to the trailhead. And she also offered that they could scrounge up four canisters of bear spray for us. So it was so nice, and we took them up on it. Um, so that's how we got to the trailhead. Also, Troy picked us up. Right, and uh, the the 
drive from Skagway to Dai is what ten minutes. It's it's not that far, but it's it's too far to walk. Right, and Dai was once one of the ports that all the the boats came into, and it was a a little boom town back right. then in the gold rush. Now they consider it a ghost town. Right, there's not not much there. Not much there except the trailhead. So when uh, Troy picked us up and then took us. To the trailhead, of course, they have the National Park sign, um, the Chilkoot Trail sign. So Cheryl met us there, and uh, we all took photos. You know, we took photos with them and John and Lolly, and so it was very exciting. I just remember I was yeah, we were very excited to get nervous and excited, and um, and then once we had all of our photos taken, it was finally time to hike the Chilkoot Trail. After dreaming about doing this hike for 10 years and planning it for another year, finally, finally, we stepped foot on the Chilkoot Trail. Matt and I thought it would be great to talk about what happened next with the two people who experienced this adventure with us, John and Lolly. Welcome to the Dear Bob and Sue podcast. (laughs) Hello. I I don't know that this is a good idea. It's not a good idea. This is going to be hurting cats for the next. So listeners, settle in for the next six hours. Mm -hmm. We'll have just Also, we would like to apologize in advance for anything that John might say that's inappropriate. We'll try try to edit it out. Yeah, so we we were just getting on the trail. We took our photos. Troy had dropped us off. We took our photos, and we just got on the trail. And it was kind of, I think it was a little bit of a bad omen that, like, literally, as we started hiking, it started raining. I did have... Complete rain gear on, head to toe, mm-hmm. backpack covered in rain gear for the backpack. So was your was your pack heavier than you like when you started hiking? Was like, oh my goodness, this this pack is way too heavy. My pack is always heavy because I bring way too much wine. <laughs> well, I, what I thought was kind of also different than I expected is, I kind of thought that that first hike, even though it was seven point seven miles to Canyon City, I thought. Well, this is kind of a pud hike. It wouldn't be very hard. And like almost right off, it was steep. That was that huge hill with all the roots sticking out. Yeah, Remember what's it that? Called? That hill has a name. Uh, heart attack hill. Heart no. attack hill. It, I don't know. It's something did like you that. Just make that up. I think, yeah. I think We're going to make a lot of stuff up yeah. today. <laughs> Just bear with us. <laughs> I don't know how far we'd gone, but remember we were on that really nice boardwalk over the swamp, the beaver ponds, and then all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah, we were like, this is brand new. This is really nice of them to put this here for us to walk on. And then all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> it just it ends. Ends right in the middle of a lake. It's, it's like <laughs> a, a dock that goes out into the lake. And then like, what are we supposed to do now? I know. I, no one told us about that. No, I think we kind of just sat there looking and we thought, well, okay. And down we go. Into the water. Into the... Well, Knee deep. Yeah. With well, our hiking boots. Yeah. We, we had to make a decision. We kind of all... I think we all had like some kind of water shoes. I know I had Crocs with me and we didn't know, well, like, should we take our boots off and then to keep them dry the whole trip? And we just like, none of us did that. We just all went in with our hiking boots. Yeah. 
That in, was hi- a- in hindsight, we probably should have camped right there. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, we should have gone back to <laughs> Skagway, yeah. gone to the brewery, to and ordered. the distillery that we found. By yeah. the way, I think I'll pour myself a glass of wine. Thank you. <laughs> Please do, Lolly. I know we got a late start because we thought it was going to be easy and quick, and we didn't realize that by the time we got to Canyon City Camp, that all of the good campsites would be taken. Yeah, that was a little surprise. I, yeah. I thought we were like kind of in the middle of the pack. I did too. But we were we, we were kind we were of at the arrivals. end of the pack and there was just one well, what we thought was just one campsite left. It turns out there was others closer to the warming hut that were the toilet. That were yeah, they close. were actually right next to the latrine. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's and, why I passed. Yeah. <laughs> so we had this one site where it was just enough for our two tents. But like the river was mm-hmm. right, like literally at the edge of our site, and it was maybe like two inches from the bank. Like yeah, and considering how hard it was raining, we knew it was going to keep rising. Yeah, and it was furious. Remember, I mean, it was roaring that that Taya River. Yeah. But what I really liked about that first campsite, it was a party scene. Everybody was just mm-hmm. so happy to be out there. We're all soaking wet. We're wringing our socks in the mm-hmm. in the warming hut, and and everyone at that stage, you're kind of all in it together. Yes, because you've now you've hiked seven, eight miles. You're in the rain, and then there's this warming hut. That's at Canyon, the Canyon City Campground. And inside, there's like this little pot belly stove. And every square inch of the warming hut had a wet sock or a wet boot or a wet jacket. Like everyone had their stuff hung up. And it was, there was kind of an interesting camaraderie in that warming hut. It's and it now- was a total waste of time. Trying to stay that? warm Nothing and wet. Ride the whole <laughs> Nothing- trip. That's right. Uh, yeah, the, think- the warming hut. Yeah. It was warm, though. But about- it was packed. I mean, there mm-hmm. wasn't a place to even, like, can I, I have that little tiny inch to hang my one sock? And yeah. remember, there were a couple of beds in there yeah. that I don't think anyone ever slept in. I don't know. Maybe people did. But you were looking around looking at this crew because you knew we were going to be hiking with them mm-hmm. the whole way over. Right. So that's a good point is that these you know, it's, it sells out like the permits for every campsite sells out. And so this was maybe what about 40 to 42 hikers. And you kind of are all going up this trail together. Mm -hmm. And so that, yeah, you're right for the next few days, we're all kind of in this together. Mm -hmm. And that was our introduction to our, what would become our German friends. How many, how many do you think there were like seven? Seven or yeah. Well, they had a guide, so I uh-huh. think there were probably six of them and a and a guide. Uh huh. And they were out there smoking their they cigarettes. They were out there smoking, drinking some yeah. beer. Yeah. <laughs> they had their packs. Instant friends. Instant yeah. friends. I don't, I don't know anybody that hauls cans of beer on a thirty-three mile hike, unless you're going to drink it all in the first mile. Yeah, so. I was a little envious of that. And so we get into our tents, and it was, and we were wondering, right, if we're gonna, is that river gonna come up over the bank and kind of flood us out but uh we had actually i think i had a pretty good night's sleep I that had night a pretty good night's sleep and that and the river you weren't worried john about the <laughs> i was worried about the river i you guys don't know this but it did come up but i threw sandbags down oh, and did saved you all think? you guys <laughs> thank you snoring john. coming out wow. of both tents was unbelievable but <laughs> you're welcome john, and we never knew That's well you why. were kind of ailing on the trip john as i remember you 
had a bad hip. So maybe the hydrocodone that you took that night kind of conked you out and you could care less if we got swept away or not. I do recommend hydrocodone. If yeah, you I was going to aches and pains. I was going to bring up the hip thing because we wrote in Dear Bob and Sue season three, and we also mentioned it in the podcast the first time with when we talked about Sahali Glacier, how you had a bad hip. And I'm sure I broke some HIPAA uh, privacy laws when we were telling everyone about your medical procedures. <laughs> but the fact is you went on this 30 three-mile Chilkoot hike with a bad hip that was going to be replaced as soon as you got back. Yeah, it was the next week. I was just trying to wear the last little bit of meat off it before I went in. Uh Well, we went in prior to both of those, Sahali Glacier and the Chilkoot hike, and looked at the calendar on when we were going to schedule it. And John said, the doctor, I got to do these two hikes. I'm not not going to do them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually, when you think about it. I mean, were you just like, you never complained, were you no. just dying? And you you just... you'd never complain about that. Well, that's true. The company I complained <laughs> yeah, about. You complain about everything else. That's what surprised me. You weren't complaining about your And hip. no, I'm going to uh, say to our audience here that you did not take, you had the hydrocodone with you, but you never took it. No. You were, John yeah. was, he a was a high trooper. I, right, and I will say, yeah. I've said that, and we wrote this in the book, mm. you were a trooper. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I could have. I wouldn't even thought about going on that hike if I had a bad hip. It wasn't that tough. And it was, as Mm -hmm. it turns out, well worth it. So the next morning, the the Canyon City campsite is not in what used to be the old town site of Of, Canyon City. Of actual Canyon City. Right. It's about, what, a half a mile down the trail? Yeah, it's 0.7 miles. So what Mm -hmm. we did was we broke down camp, took down the tents, got our packs all ready to go. And then we left our packs at the warming hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the campsite, and then we we hiked the 0.7 miles to the Canyon City site. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one time, in, in 1898, there was like seven hotels and several saloons, and there was no sign of it no. when we uh, no. hiked through there. Yeah, I actually wrote it down. Eight hotels, seven restaurants, five taverns, two supply stores, two barber shops, and a post office. And I guess one of the things was, too, that the river kind of rerouted itself and claimed some of the, that land and washed a lot of those things away. Well, the other thing is that year, in order to get to Dawson City before freeze up, they were the prospectors were hiking this trail in the snow like february march april and so they could get that river was frozen so they could get a lot of stuff up to canyon city just on the frozen river and it was it would be easier to drag it across the frozen river as opposed to like on the trail after we did our little tour of canyon city then i know you guys were anxious to get going on the trail because you wanted to get one of those tent platforms before everybody else got there so we were practically running remember it was what about five miles we had to cover that day five and a half i do think we we were we got started earlier than most people that day we did from canyon city to sheep camp was a shorter day it was 5.3 miles Mm -hmm. although it did have more elevation gain yeah there was some tough spots and uh like we were a little bit ahead of the other group Mm -hmm. so you mentioned the platforms we we haven't talked about this yet there were no platforms at Canyon City, but at Sheep Camp, there are these 10-foot by 10-foot level wooden platforms, like a little deck, where you can put your your tent. Right, so you're off the ground. So we didn't have any of those at Canyon City, but we were definitely looking forward to those mm-hmm. at Sheep want... Camp. Yeah. Was it pouring down rain that second day, too? Yeah. Had yes, it been. Yeah, so it the was. entire, yeah. 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 It was raining. There was another yeah. spot where we had to walk. The trail was covered by the river. And we had to walk through that again. Yeah, that's right. And my boots that had gone from soaking wet 
when we got to Canyon City to wet, wet. Yeah. Back to soaking. Back to soaking. And once we used up all the water that we started with, then we're like filtering and and you had uh, that steri pen getting water out of the creeks and mm-hmm. at, at this filter takes some time to get it out of the backpack and and pump the filter so i have this steri pen which is just a little uv light where you fill up your water bottle and then you turn the light on and you just like swirl it it's like magic which I don't know if it does anything. <laughs> we raised the water, but right? It yeah, like yeah. gave us like confidence that so we would fill our water bottles and we would stir it and for like twenty five seconds, twenty five fifty. Yeah, it's not yeah. It's, yeah. it's not long, but yeah. uh, I, I still think it's just magic. Well, don't yeah. you remember later one of the rangers was saying that he never filters his water? Right. Yeah, I was having a hard time figuring out which of his three eyes to look at. <laughs> They're from Alaska. They have a They're stronger already. constitution. Remember, we're city folk pretending like we know what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. we have to filter our water yeah. for sure. <laughs> now, when you first start to head into Sheep Camp, you pass this um, ranger station, which is actually a house that three, well, anywhere from two to three rangers live in. There's always a ranger at sheep camp. And then, you know, maybe a quarter mile past that, you actually get into camp. Yeah, we're kind of surprised that uh, we're looking after have having gone to Canyon City and gotten the last campsite. Then we go to sheep camp and like every, every platform's open. So we, I think it was the only like hour and a half of the trip that it wasn't raining. And so we actually were able to set up our tents like in the sun. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember sun. I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember sun either, but maybe the rain had stopped. They had that uh, brand new. They had nice facilities. But it was brand new. Well, there right. was a brand yeah. new warming hut that was roped off and right. we couldn't get into I it. Know. We, right. we, that we was kept a bummer. Look, looking at it from uh-huh. the outside. That was a bummer. And then there was another shelter area with all the picnic tables. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking and about. Were, yeah. And there were yeah. two warming huts. With actual stuff. Yeah, the, the older ones, the, the right. tiny ones, ones that they had. And with, they're like canvas tents. So we just kind of hung out throughout the afternoon. Yeah, relaxed. and mm-hmm. uh, the Relaxed at the picnic tables. I mm-hmm. played cards. Filled mm-hmm. up. Then, then we did get the filter out and filled every water bottle. Had an early, very salty, dehydrated <laughs> dinner. <laughs> those, man, those. I love those. <laughs> Dehydrated they, they dinners. They get a little old after a while, right? With have so, a lot of uh, sodium. This is yeah. what you like to cook. You like to yeah. chop and cook. Yeah. And I just want to boil some water and and pour it in a bag and eat. Well, we hung around because the ranger talk was at seven, and mm-hmm. the ranger talk and that was mandatory. Was mandatory because it's they're telling you what what to expect the next day, which would be summit day. This is the hardest day of the hike. You're going up. Was it Ranger Sean? Yeah, we had. Three rangers. We yes. had Sean, Al, and Alex. Mm-hmm. Ranger Sean, though, is the one that did the uh, did the talk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He scared us. He scared me about what was coming up the next day. Yeah. Summit day. Basically, though, what surprised me was he said everyone has to be out and hiking by 6.30 a.m. That's pretty early to break down your tents, you know, have breakfast, to get yeah. to all that stuff by 6.30 in order to summit and then make it to, to the next, which is another four miles yeah. past the summit. So it's well, they kept telling us that it's not over once you get to the summit, and, right. and they made they emphasized this point because they said people they think that's the hardest part, and then they relax. But they still, you still have four miles to go after the summit to get to the next camp. So you have to, you know, be prepared for that. And, and he right. was talking about the bears. 
that were in the area. There were bears in camps the night before. Yeah. Mama had treed her two cubs because they were worried about bigger bears that were in the neighborhood. I felt like there was, it was less which of was a, very encouraging. Yeah, yeah, that they like hanging out at the campsites. When bears are hiding from other bears, <laughs> <laughs> that really makes you feel good when yeah. you're... Yeah. So we didn't mention that um, Sheep Camp was one of the most important stops along the way for the gold seekers. And it was actually a huge town at one point. Uh, at its high point, it had between six and 8,000 people who actually lived there. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I mean, again, there were hotels and bars and restaurants and, and people sort of, I guess, rested there right before they tackled the golden staircase and, and climbing up over the summit. So anyway, we pretty much, after the ranger talk, we pretty much went to bed. We're rule followers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we knew we had to get up up early. early. God, that was the worst night's sleep I have ever had. I don't think I slept a wink. Why why is that? Was it because you're worried about bears or because we almost drowned? (laughs) Everything. Bears. The fact that it it never stopped raining the entire night. And I was worried about trying to summit the... uh, the past the next morning but um i slept i slept pretty good uh, (laughs) but when john and i woke up in the morning there was like a foot of water and where our feet were yeah we we were we were in in the tent in water Uh yeah our our two sleeping pads our blow up sleeping pads were like little islands there was about an inch (laughs) of of water all the way around the the bottom of our tent and all of our stuff was wet and it was a mess. It didn't help that we had our fly on upside down, but it, honestly, <laughs> it didn't matter because everything it was saturated and the water was just dripping through at that point. It's one, it was one of those rains where, you know, it downpours. I think the downpour started, the heavy one started about 10 p.m. And I remember laying there thinking, well, this, a downpour like this can't last more than like oh. a half an hour and then it'll it'll calm down. It downpoured, I think, till like 5 a.m. Everything's bigger in Alaska. Yeah, and <laughs> we had we never got dry. It never quit downpouring. No. It's not a good sign when you have to wring your tent out the next day and you still but, can't get it dry. But we were troopers. We yeah. got up. Mm. We got up. We got up made, at like made some five. Coffee. We got yeah. up uh, five five thirty. We went into that uh, little community area that did have a roof. We could, you know, in out of the rain, make some coffee. And I just remember. We had coffee. We might have had a little bit of breakfast, but I remember, John, you and I looked at each other like, oh, man, we have to go take those tents down. And it's just pouring rain. I mean, there's there's no shelter. we got to take the tents down, pack them up. We're going to get soaked doing it and strap them to our backpacks. And it, at some point, you're just like, okay, I'm going to be wet all yeah, day so you might as well just do just yeah. do it mm-hmm. i just remember thinking that this is going to be one of those days where you just have to put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and just take what comes at you one little bit at a time and yeah things will get better later didn't yep. you guys feel like so when we got into the picnic area having you know make our coffee the germans were already there i know like, they, like, okay. they were on it yeah. they, they were, were they yeah. were up yeah. and out and is and, it going to be the u.s or germany <laughs> that's right it was the first. olympics of the <laughs> and i think we we were all packed up and on the trail at 6 30 and of course i'm thinking oh they told us we have to be on the trail by 6 30 and we just barely made it and Everyone else is asleep Sleep. in camp. I know. Like no one else is no up. One. And the Germans had beat us by a few minutes and mm-hmm. we were on the trail at six thirty. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. as as hard as it's raining, I remember thinking we were not not only were we not cold, we were a little warm. 
yeah. we, we had our rain jackets on, which made and no sense. Pants like and, just yeah. open them up because you're as soaked on the inside as, as yeah. the outside. Yeah. So what we were looking at that day was it was going to be three and a half miles up to the summit. Now that's about, it was about 2,500 feet elevation gain. But at one point they told us there's an area that is a half a mile long and a thousand feet elevation gain. And in addition to that, that's steep. In addition to that, you're also going hand and foot over boulders. At some point there is no trail. It's just a jumble of boulders and scree. So you're, you're kind of picking your way over that. And they said, oftentimes it's foggy up there and you can't see more than, you know, 10 yards in front of your face. So, whoo-hoo. <laughs> I know. And don't you remember the night before the guy said, because the range, the Canadian ranger at the top radioed down and said he had never seen weather like this. I it's know. the worst he's ever seen ever it in seen. his 25 years or whatever. Yes. yes. Yeah. Plus, as we mentioned earlier, once we were... Once we would get to the top, we still had four more miles right. to get to the next camp. Right. So, yeah, it's we were looking at a big day. Well, yeah, so we have all these things to worry about. <laughs> and I I know, Lolly, you were worried about the bears. I, I wasn't more just being naive than anything else. But the night before, Al had said, well, the bears really like this time of year, they really like the berries that grow on the devil's club plants. And they'll pull that stalk off and they'll eat the berries and just as we get going on the trail, we see all of these Devil's Club stalks on the trail. So we knew, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. bears had mm-hmm. been there, mm-hmm. you know, minutes before. So that that actually made me a little bit worried. Well, the other part is that first part of the trail, when you leave Sheep's Camp, you're not hiking through some big open area. It's like you're walking down a w- hallway with, oh. with shrubs on both sides mm-hmm. and alder trees and perfect bear attack. Bear, hey, bear. Yeah. Hey, bear. Yeah. Bear ambush. Yeah. And like luckily ba- for us, John was in the lead. John was so. leading. And then I think it was me. And then you, Karen, and Matt was taking That's up the right. rear. But we were all saying, hey, bear. Oh, hey, yeah. Bear. It was yeah. nerve-wracking. Because, yeah. like, yeah, you could not see yeah. what was around the next corner. The best part is I knew even with a bad hip, I wasn't the slowest one in the group. <laughs> no, that, I, I will admit, I was the slowest one. On, on top of yeah. worrying about bears and the rain, and the hard hike, and all of these things, for some reason, I was cramping up. And I had been cramping up for like a day, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was dehydration, but then I drank a ton of water. Uh, so I was I was in the rear because mm. like I was barely moving. I know. It was, it was not a great start. And then as we, kind of as we got through that scrubby part, and we got closer to the river, we could hear, do you guys remember? We right. could hear those booms of thunder. We yeah. kept thinking, like, gosh, boom, the thunder, the thunder yeah. is is loud. I mean, it's been raining for a few days, but we hadn't heard thunder like this. And then we realized, like, the thunder's not coming from the sky. <laughs> and we, yeah. eventually we figured out that the Taya River, that, which is essentially what you're, you're hiking up, the Taya River, the boulders in the river were dislodging and rolling down the river. That's what the thunder was. Mm-hmm. They're hitting each other in, in the river. It was crazy. It wasn't just like sprinkling. It was right. like full yeah. on downpour. And we just had our head to the ground and just hiking mm-hmm. through. We're hearing rocks roll down the river. Mm-hmm. We're saying, hey, hey bear, <laughs> Matt has yeah. to stop because he's, you know, there's a lot going against us. Right? But we just kept plugging through. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. there was that one spot. Remember, we hiked right next to the Taya River. 
and the river kept rising and it was just a couple of feet yeah, away from the trail. Right, right. And you could tell that normally the trail was pretty far from the river, but yeah. like that morning, the yeah. river, and, anyone slipped and fell. Oh yeah, because we were stair-stepping up these boulders that were obviously very wet and slippery right next to this raging river if any of us would have slipped you'd never see it would have been so pretty if the clouds had lifted because we were out of that like shrub area Mm -hmm. and we got above the tree line so things were a little bit more open although it was very socked in but you Mm -hmm. could you could I was less worried about the bears there because you could kind of see in the distance what was going on. Right, and so we we sort of had, we had mountains, so we were going up through a valley essentially, and those mountains on both sides, remember all the waterfalls that were cascading down those mountains? That was beautiful. And we were by ourselves, we didn't see anybody, you know, we're just... Not we until. Were, we were <laughs> well, we got we got we, we got maybe early. two three hundred yards out of tree line uh, above tree line, and they had told us the night before there is a small creek that you could just splash through. Your feet might get wet. Yeah. I mean, they literally said that your feet might get wet. Just splash through that, and then right after that, you'll reach the the bottom of the of the hard part of the hike. And we get to that little creek. And it was... It was a, a river. It was a river. It was a torrent. It and the Germans torrent. were there. They, yes. they yeah. had stopped. Yes, yeah. they we were. Thought they, I thought they were stopped because they were having a snack. They were stopped because they couldn't figure out how to cross this now raging new river that had appeared. So all of the runoff from the mountains, and of course, above this area, there's no there's no vegetation, there's no trees. So the, the water is just cascading off of these rocks and, and mountains and and forming this this river that we were now faced with, we could not figure out how to get across that. And it was, it, well, John, you, you, well, you well, thought, well. The Germans had told us they had went up and down the uh-huh. river trying to find a safe a place. Spot, to, right. And they, they looked at us and, you know. Well, the great part was, if I remember correctly, it wind was probably blowing about 30 miles an hour <laughs> and the rain was sideways. Right. Yes. Yeah. And we're talking to the Germans who didn't speak English to mm-hmm. try to figure out how and what they had decided to do. And then, mm-hmm. Matt, you and I decided that we would just see yeah. whether or not we, we could it. somehow get across. And I remember taking like two steps into that river, and you stepped in behind me, and the girls are yelling. We are the freaking. Girls are yelling. The girls are like screaming. Telling and, me to get out, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I would if I could turn around without falling. It was down. such a stupid thing to do, and well, because what we didn't mention is if you can picture this, this river that John's now trying to cross, it's going downhill, and it meets up with the huge Taya River. So if you were to fall, which would be very easy to to happen, if you were to fall, you'd get swept down into the Taya, and you'd be swept off, and you we would never see you again. So it's not just like you could fall and get wet. If you fall, you're a goner. Yeah. It was the scariest and the, thing and I've that, ever seen. That, that's not an exaggeration. No, not like, an exaggeration. Like it's not yeah. maybe you would get swept down, you, you would have been gone. It was, yeah. a, it was a river. It wasn't and it a was, creek. Yeah, and like Karen said, it was at a slope. So you see John and Matt go in, and they're like, and they're boulders flying well, I down went the, in, the river. I went in to yeah. just like grab John. I grabbed John's pack just in case. Yeah, like you could hang like, on to like John via his pack. John went down. Yeah. There was a chance, and the, the boulders and gravel were washing away from under my feet that was the problem is there was no place to step that wasn't being washed away and so if we finally get 
Lolly's yelling and oh, the and Germans are just like we're, looking at us like I we're know. nuts. We're finally, like back away, and we're and the four of us are standing on this edge of this river, and I remember a boulder just like dislodges and starts rolling down the river, and that boulder was at least a thousand pounds, and it just like yeah. washed down the river like, like it was styrofoam. Well, was, the funny thing is, I mean, let's say you and John Matt made it across the river. There was no way I was going to put one toe in that river. No, we had a little grandbaby due in October, and I was not going not to see that new grandbaby. I know. Of ours. In yeah. fact, and we wrote this in the book because this stuck with me. Is you and I were well, we were kind of laughing, crying, more crying, and you said, "I don't know if you remember this." You said. I am not dying for this. No. You said, no. I need to meet yeah. my grandson. Baby. <laughs> not my day to die, MFR. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, we we kind of weighed our options, right? We kept yeah. looking at it and trying to figure out We waited out what, for a little bit, but yeah. the, the longer we stood there, the colder we got. And, and the just, more the river was yeah. rising. Well, that, rising. the other thing is we were worried about <clears throat> that one part of the river that had started to flood the trail on our way up that mm-hmm. we were going to get trapped between where we were and and sheep camp we wouldn't be able to right. get back to it well caught, you know the other thing is if, if for some reason we got across the creek now slash river there was another well we didn't know larger what, we didn't creek. Uh-huh. we didn't know what was ahead of us well right. i thought they told us at the uh, that there were two crossings yeah, there right two crossings mm-hmm. so well there was no there was also no flat spot to put a tent. Like even if we had to hunker down and oh, try to like down put, there, yeah, put, there, no. there was there was no flat. No. There, it was mm-hmm. boulders. No, it was no shelter. Plus the Germans had drank all their beer, so <laughs> they weren't going to get much help from there. So, so the Germans they came to the conclusion and the talking to the guide who spoke some English. He just kept saying, "Not good, not good." And yeah. so they they hightailed it back down towards sheep camp. We followed pretty quick, but we stood there looking at that river for a while, thinking, so God, there's got to be a way to get yeah. We went yeah. upstream, downstream, mm-hmm. tried to cross it. Yeah. But then I Wasn't remember after a while, we were so, because we'd been standing there for so long, it was freezing. The wind was howling. It like did, we were, it, our yeah. teeth yeah. were Up yeah. there, it did get yeah. very cold. Yeah. We and were then, drenched. Well, I was yeah. through to my underwear. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. we thought, okay, we got to get back below these these rivers before we get trapped between two yeah and then so we're we're going back down towards sheep camp and now we're running into the hikers coming up yeah. the rest of them and yeah. we kept telling them like it's not crossable mm-hmm. like you know you need to be need to be super careful you should really turn around and no one turned around no but they wanted to go see for themselves yeah, you know so I, they, I get that you know yeah. Yeah. matt and karen and john and lolly aren't going to tell me i can't cross sure, the river they yeah, wanted to go yeah, look at yeah. it yeah and then we hiked a little bit further to that spot where the taya river was encroaching on the trail and when we got there it was on it the was trail. Over the trail. it was over the trail yeah. and rushing yeah and i think it was a about two feet deep there and so then, scary. then we were looking at that thinking okay we are trapped and then some hikers came up, and they just tromped right through it. Through it. And yeah. so then we could see how deep yeah. it was, and so we we just mm-hmm. got through it. And we kept telling quick. people, not going to yeah. be able to, you know. Yeah, turn yeah. around. Yeah, turn it's around, not possible. Turn and, yeah. We didn't tell them that they couldn't get through. We said we decided we weren't going to try yeah. to get yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. 
It's dangerous. It wasn't very. Worth it. It's not worth risking your life over for sure. Well, as it turned out, and we didn't know this at the time, is it's historic levels of of rain. It's yeah. Historic floods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like trees were down at we the. We were part t- of history. Uh huh. They had actually closed the access to the Chilkoot Trail to new hikers. Come right. to find out. They, they yeah. Shut, when we got back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, to make a long story short, we did get back then to sheep camp. And, and we ran to the ranger. We went to the ranger station, and we, we were go freezing. They welcomed us in with open arms. So we go into the ranger station, and and I think I don't know what they were thinking, but it seemed like they were thinking, you know, here's four older campers yeah. or hikers. They didn't couldn't quite make it, and now they're coming back down, and we're telling this story. Oh, the creek was really high, and. We didn't think we could get across, and so they invited us in, and they were very calm. They offered us warm water with honey in it, and they were not, like, in a hurry to, no. to like, check it out. And finally, we showed them the video. Yeah, Karen mm-hmm. took a video of the there. river, yeah. and just then they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> we got to get up there. <laughs> they yeah, started and, calling on the radio. Uh-huh. They, they, there's ra- there's walkie-talkies going. They're putting on all their gear. They're they're like, like, okay. They yeah. called the Canadian Ranger they at did. the top. And yeah. the Canadian yeah. Ranger's like, this is treacherous. And, treacherous. And on the Canadian yeah. side, they had to then come down and start rescuing yeah. people. You know, the other thing, too, remember, there's a group coming in behind us from Canyon City. I right. mean, it, mm-hmm. if all these people were not going to make it over the pass, all these people were going to come back down and have to camp at Sheep Camp yeah, again, another, uh, and then people oh. are coming in. So it was just kind of this kind of this pandemonium. Yes. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we going to sleep? But we felt like we were the first ones back so we could get a prime spot on one of those tents. And we things. did get a yeah. prime spot. Remember, so the rangers offered us the um, what was it? The trail crew cabins. Well, they 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 were hesitant to make the offer because I think that they're they were only allowed to do this in emergencies. Which, as it turned out, this was an emergency. But the trail crew has some fixed canvas cabins close by the ranger station, and they said. Since I, everyone else is coming behind you, and there's no f- place for you to camp, you can spend the night in one of these felt like mm-hmm. we were in a hotel which was great because our tents were soaked through yeah but remember oh, yeah. the four of us were stuck in a two we, it was eight feet by eight feet yeah, and the and four we of us the four of us were I in there really and we there. thought yeah. that, that I, was, I was you know thinking okay well <laughs> it'll be it'll be matt karen me and then john all lined up in a row i'll end and up we spooning were perfect, karen we're perfectly happy with i that. was grateful to have a roof i wasn't yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah and then then the ranger come by says you know you could take two of these if you want yeah because there were probably what a half a dozen of those little cabins so we each had our own and it was it was like the Ritz Carlton in my mind. But the crazy thing is, go ahead. What? Well, I was just thinking, and maybe Matt, you're going to cover this, but I just remember once we kind of got settled in there, I'm thinking all these people we had passed on a trail are now going to start showing up here, and right. we've got the primo real estate, mm-hmm. and nobody shows up. Nobody. I know. So it was the Germans who were back. Yeah. The Germans were yeah. back, mm-hmm. and, and we were back. The mm-hmm. people that had actually followed the rules and had gotten out of camp by <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the next morning, they opened the trail back up, the, mm-hmm. the uh, back in the direction of Dai. So as soon as we found that out, we we hiked. We just decided that we're going to make a beeline 
And that day we hiked all 13 miles. I know, but uh, I thought we were going to be hiking with those rangers. Remember, we became fast friends with them. Oh, yeah. we, we were best we friends. Were best friends with them. And they wanted to hike out with us, you, remember? You thought yeah. they were going to escort us out. I thought we'd mm-hmm. be like, you know, big old group of yes. fast friends. They, yeah. they, they took off in... Well, well, yeah, they're like 20-something. They yeah. can hike 10 times yeah, they, they wanted to make sure they got out before the trail closed again. Yeah, yeah and we didn't, we didn't, didn't really Poor care Al, whether we did. Al had to stay. Yeah, Al yeah. stayed. There were new replacements coming yeah. in to help her. But the reason we didn't try to summit the next day was because, you know, we had specific camping reservations for each night. So we so we didn't have camping reservations for that following night and we had train tickets to to get out of there on a specific day. So we couldn't just say, "Oh, we'll go the next day" because the camps are full with other people. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we decided we were we were done with the Chilkoot and we uh, we hiked that 13 miles out. We could have stayed at, at Canyon City. We could have. We stopped there and finished our wine, Karen. <laughs> Which, which was a, another good decision that we made. Well, we were further than Canyon we City. We were further. But the thing that kept me going on that 13 miles out, because that was a long way to go yes. in one day with those heavy packs. The thing that kept me going was just thinking of sleeping in a, uh, in a bed, in a hotel room, and going to the brewery, and like taking a shower and being clean. So like I w- we were going to get that 13 miles in no matter what. We got out what, around four? Would you say four or five? Yeah, it was four or yeah. five. And then, of course, and, we didn't have a ride. Right, just... just just as well, we you, didn't have a place to stay. We, yeah, yes. yeah, just right. as we got back to the trailhead, Lolly, you got a cell signal and mm-hmm. you called the White House. Yeah, and we got a room and, uh-huh. uh, in Skagway, not not the White House, the bed and breakfast in Skagway, mm-hmm. and and got the same rooms that we had had, you know, two nights before. Mm-hmm. And we called Troy. And then we called Troy. God love him. And he. Yeah, so he came. Not, he came such a nice guy. Yeah, he gave us a ride back into town. Mm-hmm. Gave him back mm-hmm. his bear spray. That's right. And yeah. we showered. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so great. And then we went to, as as what you would do after you've you, a near-death experience, we went to the brewery. Yeah. To have a beer and, and a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Well, more than just a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I remember, too... I was so done with the Chilkoot Trail at that point. I didn't want to think about it, talk about it. I was going to erase it from my mind. And all of a sudden, after a beer or two, the three of you are like, you know we'll have to come we back have and to. do you it again. Cannot not do, you cannot do something that you're supposed to finish. You have to finish it's it. It's pretty right? lame to go halfway up and turn around, and then that yeah. that's the end of the story. We're just we're not ever doing it again. No, we got, we got to do it again. So now, as, as we're talking, it's mid-2020. We do have permits. To we go do, this summer. We're gonna mm-hmm. go this summer, and we'll see. Give it, give it another whack if if, if it's open. If everything's open, mm-hmm. who knows what will happen this time? <laughs> <laughs> it sure was fun to have John and Lolly on the yes, show, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about what happened. To and, have, yeah, uh, some friends and some other voices, other than just you and I looking at each other across the microphones. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the next day, we ha- we kind of had a free day in Skagway, so you know we had fun. We went to some of the bookstores and a distillery, and but you know what? We were just it was killing us to know what had happened to all the rest of the people who actually made it over that river. Like well, how how, did, how exactly did they do it? Because when we were there, it looked treacherous and impossible and we were we kept suggesting to people to turn back turn back and they all got through i know so the next day we finally got our answer on our 
early morning boat ride from Skagway back to Juneau, we ran into some other people who had been in our basically our hiking group of 40. It was a man from Utah who was hiking it with his brother and his teenage son. So we had had some conversations with them in the first two days, you know, where are you from? What are you guys doing? So we, we kind of had a friendship with them and we saw them passing us on the on the trail up to that raging river. So when we saw them on the boat, we said, What happened? How did you get through? What And they and they described it to us. Uh-huh. They told us the they story. They said they had gotten to the creek and it was swollen and water was rushing. They were not in the mood to turn back. They they <laughs> they were they were less cautious than us mm-hmm. and they searched high and low for a place to cross the river and they found that there was one spot that the creek was had come down just enough that they thought that they could jump over and so they were looking at it and I guess that one while they're contemplating should we take our lives in our hands and jump over this part of the creek one of the party his brother the big dude <laughs> took took his backpack and threw it across the creek and said okay well my pack's now on the other side so we don't have a choice mm-hmm. and they found they they described how they they made a little bit of a bridge out of a, a a branch that they had found and and they were holding on to each other as as they crossed and then other people had gotten to the trail they hooked arms and went across uh there was actually even like a 8-year-old girl that was within one of the groups and a, and a grandmother i think what had happened after hearing all these stories is the creek had come down considerably mm-hmm. because there was no spot along that creek that you could jump over. You, no. you you couldn't even walk to a spot that you could jump over. And I think in our maybe lack of experience and, and a little bit um, panic, mm-hmm. we were concerned that that flood was just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and we would be trapped up there. And we came down. We were there right at the peak. Right. We were at the the, the highest water level. And probably had we stayed there another half hour or an hour, mm-hmm. if we hadn't froze to death, we the creek <laughs> probably would have come down enough for us to mm-hmm. figure out a way to get across. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing is, as he continued his story, it was, it was not all smooth sailing once they crossed. So, of course, it's still raining. I guess that this family that had the little girl and the grandmother, they were from Whitehorse, and the little girl was suffering from hypo- hypothermia, and the grandmother was suffering from exhaustion. So they had to have people carry their packs. The Canadian Rangers came down and helped, and basically everyone helped them get up to um, the pass where there is um, what like an emergency shelter up there. Right, right. On the Canadian side, the Parks Canada has some structure. And there was there was one, and they don't let people ever sleep there. This mm-hmm. is not this is not. It's only available like in extreme emergencies, which this was. A lot of the people who crossed, not just that family, but others, had to stay in that structure. And they they said, yeah, they were in there like sardines, just mm-hmm. like one you know next to each other, spending the night. So it wasn't like 
the rest of the hikers all got across the creek and made it to happy camp. Right. Uh, most of them didn't even make it to happy camp. Yeah. As a matter of fact, so the man from Utah told us that out of our group of 42, he said 14 people made it to happy camp that night. Uh, so that's not very many. So, you know, it was certainly an adventure for every single person who was on that you know, who was doing the summit that day. Um, and not just us, but everybody had an adventure for sure. Right. And thankfully, everyone was fine. Uh, hypothermia was the, mm-hmm. the worst thing that happened. Easily, if somebody had been a little bit too brave, they could have gotten swept away. So uh, it, it was a it was a good day for everyone that, that no one got seriously hurt. Definitely, definitely. So uh, we had built in an extra day in Juneau on on the backside of this trip because we were hoping to go to see the Mendenhall Glacier and maybe do some kayaking. But of course, that free day that we had, it was still pouring rain. But we went back to the Alaska State Archives. We've written about that now in Dear Bob and Sue Season 2 and 3. And it's just this amazing resource in this museum in Juneau. Um, And we were able to look at some of the actual things, artifacts from the Chilkoot Trail. That's It's a beautiful building that they built. It's, it's only a few years old. The Alaska State Museum has the first floor and, and uh, incredible uh, exhibits there. And so that's worth seeing. And then a couple of floors above, it's the archives. And we were able to ask for a couple of the boxes from the archives that contain some diaries and were able to uh, very, very carefully uh, take a couple of the diaries out of the box and look at them and, and look at the entries. And it was just pretty amazing to see these 120-year-old archives and some of the notes that people wrote and, and having been on that exact trail and experience a little bit of what they experienced. It was it was fun to see that history. It, it br- br- really brought it to life. It did. And, and holding th- these little diaries were, you know, very small pocket-sized leather-bound diaries. And when you looked at them, of course, they're all handwritten in cursive in the tiniest, most perfect handwriting you've ever seen. Um, and of course, we also saw they they included lists of supplies that they had purchased. Right. And it was we, we could have spent a, a week there looking at all of these. It was it was really incredible. And as you said, it really brought the whole experience home. Right. So if you're ever in Juneau, definitely check out the Alaska State Museum and the archives. Yeah. So that is our our story of our misadventure up there. Of course, we do, as we mentioned, we do have permits to go back this summer of 2020. We're not sure if that's going to happen. The trail is currently closed, so we're waiting to see if it's going to reopen. Of course, we're going back with John and Lolly. And... um, you know, we'll see what happens. And John has a new hip, so everything <laughs> should, and, and we're a little bit wiser, <laughs> a little <That's> bit. <laughs> so That's maybe right. we'll get across and have have a whole nother story. That's right. And we'll have John and Lolly back, and we'll have uh, Hiking the Chilkoot Trail Part 2. We'll be back with our mailbag segment in the next episode. So if you have a question for us, you can send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash dearbobbins or you can find us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith. We'll review all the questions that come in and we'll be answering some of them in our mailbag segment on future episodes. To see pictures from the Chilkoot Trail, 
go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com and click on the title for episode 12. There you'll find show notes for this episode and links to other information. We want to thank all of you who've left us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. In our last episode, we asked listeners to help us get from 277 to 300 ratings and reviews, and so many of you responded. We are almost there. We're so, so close. Now, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts even if you listened on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast app. Do you get a prize if you get <laughs> 300 ratings? I wonder who, like, did you make a bet with somebody? Is that why? I don't know where this 300 rating. Well, what, I, what I'm was. not saying is once we hit 300, then it's going to be 500. I see. You're gonna, so you're going to keep asking for more. The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can also find more information about us by heading over to www.dearbobandsue.com. Our show is produced by our amazing team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon, who went above and beyond for this particular episode, trying to make the four of us sound, I don't know what, like <laughs> real Intelligent. <humans>. Yeah, intelligent. <laughs> our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. Hopefully, when we go back up to Alaska, we'll be a little more successful than we were last time. Yeah, but before we go, we need to figure out why Alaska keeps trying to kill us. <laughs> <laughs>